Well, good morning, church family watching online and friends checking us out for the very first time. Welcome to Radiant Life Church. And I know it's a different style, it's a different format than usual. Normally you'd be here, but it's kind of it's kind of fun. I think we're going to reach more people this way. I think the Big C Capital Church in America and in the world will reach more people because of the way we have to do church in the meantime. And it's kind of fun to actually be up here a little different with uh, almost an empty room and just be able to look at you and speak from the heart of what's going on. And we're really excited to continue in our Dangerous A Church Unleashed uh, teaching series here. This is week number four. And uh, this is one of my favorite messages because I love the story that we're going to jump into. But uh, if you're checking us out for the first time, I want to get us caught up. We've been kind of looking at a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Ezekiel. He was a prophet and he gets this like downloadable vision from God. Like God kind of gives him a digital download and says, this is what the church can look like. And Ezekiel chapter 47, verse one, it begins this way. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, which was the church in the ancient world. And there I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple. And so here Ezekiel gets this vision and he sees water leaking out from the temple, leaking out from the church, and it's going to the east. And what's interesting is uh, Ezekiel's going to be like investigating, going like, what is going on? Where is this water flowing to? And he goes outside the church, uh, the temple, and he begins to watch and go where the water's going. He sees it's going east, and we notice as it's leaking, it's getting deeper. And we're told that Ezekiel goes out and he gets up to his ankles. And then the angel's still giving him like a tour of showing him where this water's leaking. And he's going to go a little further. Now he's up to his knees. And eventually the tour guide takes him out far enough and he's up to his waist now. And then he sees the roaring waters off in the distance. And he's saying, man, the waters are getting deeper. And we have this saying now around here with this idea is that the farther it flows, the deeper it grows. And if you're at home right now, will you say this with me? The farther it flows, the deeper it grows. And all of a sudden you have this raging river that Ezekiel's getting. And the beauty of this river that's raging is that it's going out to the east where the dead things are. And that's a representation of the New Testament church that we're called to go out to the dry and barren places in life. And we're to saturate those places with the passion and love and grace of Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to be as a church here at Radiant Life. And anything that it touches, the living water touches, and Jesus tells us it's the Holy Spirit that's in us. Anything that touches, it comes to life. And I love what Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 9 reads this way. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. And in the Old Testament, you had the temple, which was the church where the presence of God was. And then in the New Testament, when Jesus died and rose again, that the, that the church became us. And that the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, is living inside of us. And we're to go out to those dead places now. The church isn't a building. The church are the people. And now we're called to go out and go to the dry and barren, spiritually dry and barren places and bring life, bring healing, bring hope to people in Jesus Christ. And God wants to use you. God wants to use me to bring water to the thirsty people 
There are spiritually thirsty people in your sphere of influence. Think of your friends, relatives, acquaintances, maybe perhaps your neighbors or even your coworkers who are just walking around in this life right now just hopeless, maybe dry spiritually, not knowing what's going to come next. But man, we've got the hope of Jesus Christ within us. And so we are called to go and reach spiritually thirsty people. And can I say this? In the culture we live in today, the chaos with COVID-19 and everything that's bringing, what an opportunity we have to be the church, to actually bring hope to people in the midst of fear, in the midst of chaos and unrest. Now's the time. And get this. Get this quote, write this one down, tweet this one. It's right here, and it reads this way. You may be the only Bible they ever read. You may be the only Bible that your coworker, they won't even pick up the Bible, but they know you're a follower of Jesus, and they'll watch you. What does that look like? Because then you have to sit back and ask yourself the question, and here's the question right here. What story is your life telling? Is in the midst of all the chaos of COVID-19, is your life telling the story of we ought to be fearful people? No, your life should be telling the story that we believe our God is bigger than this virus. And yeah, we got to change up things, but I'm not resting in this virus. My faith is in Jesus Christ, who gives me hope, who gives me peace in the midst of it. So be reflecting and sit back and really think, what story is your life telling right now? Because you may be the only Bible someone ever reads. And what picture are they getting of Jesus Christ? I mean, I'm getting fired up right now. I'm ready to preach this morning. So, hey, uh, if you have uh, a Bible or a tablet or a phone, you've got some device that you can turn to the Bible. Will you turn to the New Testament, to the book of Luke chapter 15? Now, let me explain who this guy is, and we'll unpack this story in a minute. Luke is a physician. And he spent a lot of time with details of understanding the life of Jesus. And then he pens this letter, Luke. And we're going to look at what Ralph Waldo Emerson calls the greatest short story of all time. We're going to look at what maybe even perhaps if you grew up in church or, man, you're kicking the tires with God. You're not unsure of this faith thing. And you're just checking us out online for the first time. This is a story maybe you've even heard. It's called The Prodigal Son. And we're going to unpack it in two different ways. There's the first half of this story, and then there's the second half of this story. And you're really going to get a glimpse on what kind of church here at Radiant Life we envision ourselves being and what we believe God has called us to be in this community and beyond. This story begins with a a prodigal son. This son, basically a millennial, goes up to his dad and says, Hey, Dad, uh, I basically want all your money. Uh, you are dead to me, and he's going to go and go to Vegas, and he's going to spend it on wild living. He's going to do all that stuff, spend his dad's money on prostitutes, on gambling, on drugs. And it begins this way in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. It says this, the younger one, meaning the younger brother, because there's two brothers in the story, the younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. And you sit there and question yourself, how do you get an inheritance? Your parents must die. And in the ancient world, when this was spoken, that brought shame on the family. In other words, this younger brother, this young son is going to his dad and says, Dad, you're dead to me. I want to cash out right now when you're alive. I'm done. I'm through with you. Just give me it all. And the father does. 
And, and Jesus is speaking this parable, this story to an audience. And this audience would have been like, oh, boo, he's horrible. This son, you don't do that. You don't bring shame on your family. So the audience would have been booing the son at this moment. And Jesus continues in the story. It reads this way. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And his dad basically funds his son's rebellion, says, here's your inheritance, here's your estate. I'm dead to you now. And he goes off to Sin City. And we, Vegas, see, we have a quote, right? What's, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? But in reality, it doesn't. Because in reality, what happens in Vegas can show up nine months later. What happens in Vegas is often coming up in counseling sessions. See, sin can seem fun for a while, but the bill will always come due. The addiction that you may be wrestling with right now can lead to broken families. Sin may be fun for a season, but the bill will always come due. And that's the battle that Paul even represents in his, in his uh, letters. Paul, who hated Jesus, and he had an encounter with him. Like, he wanted to stop the church movement, the Jesus movement, out. He came in and had an encounter with Jesus, and he becomes a follower of him. And he goes around and starts church plants all over the ancient world. And he even said, hey, there's something inside of me. My flesh wants to do one thing, and I know it's not the good thing, but my spirit wants to do another. And he's battling between the, his flesh and the spirit. And I know sometimes that may be us. But there's good news that Jesus' power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, is inside of you as a follower of Jesus. Your power, the power is in you, is greater than he who is in the world. So let's start living that way. And here, the story continues. It said, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Now think about this. The son went from the lap of luxury to the lap of the pig pen. Like he had it all. But his father gave what he wanted and he turned his back and blew it all. And it continues. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And here the son has absolutely hit rock bottom. And again, it's a Jewish audience that Jesus is speaking to. And the Jews in that days, the, the pigs were unclean. So can you imagine hearing this story and you're like, oh, this is gross. Like he went down to the bottom. I mean, he's dumpster diving at this point. Like, boo, this son is horrible. Why would we ever have this story? Jesus keep telling us how he ruins his entire life. And they would have been all over him. And then the son will get a wake-up call. And the story continues. When he came to his senses, and I want to stop there. It's a beautiful statement. When he came to his senses. Because I think everyone who has walked away from God and everyone who is far from God, the most beautiful thing that can happen in your life is that you've woken up to your senses. That that hole in your heart, that God-sized hole that only God can fill, 
and you're going and looking everywhere else. What, what can the world feed that God-sized hole in my heart? The world will offer everything but give you nothing. Only God can give it to you. And here he says he wakes up to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. And now here the son is trekking home. And as he's walking home, he's trying to figure out, man, how's dad going to respond to me? I shamed him in front of everyone. And our entire town knows it. And how, maybe, maybe dad will just make me a hired servant. I won't even be worthy to be called his son anymore because I turned my back. I did horrible things. Will dad be mad at me? And I think that's where people are who are far from God. Just walking down the road in life and just wondering, man, I've done so many things. I don't know if the church will ever accept me. I've done so many things that, Pastor Ryan, if you really knew my history and my past, it would scare you. How could a God ever love me? And I want you, if that's your feeling this morning, can I say that Radiant Life is here for you? That none of us have it together. We're not perfect. And I want to apologize from the bottom of my heart to you. If at all, any time in your life, you felt like the Christian faith was about perfection and that those who go to church have it all together. I'm sorry that we misrepresented Jesus to you. Because this is a place where people who are broken, knowing we're broken, but needing God's grace and love every single day. And we will come and worship our Heavenly Father who loves us so much no matter what we've gone through. This is a place to belong, a place that we say, welcome home. And here's this son walking down the road wondering, how is dad going to treat me when I get home? And again, the Jewish audience that's listening to Jesus, woo, yeah, throw him out again, dad, throw him out, he's horrible. And it begins this way. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And I want you to know that that's what Jesus is trying to show. The heart of the Father, he sees everyone no matter how far and no matter how far you have gone in your sin or you're wandering yourself, that God sees you. He sees you. And his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. The son that turned his back on his daddy saw him and was filled with compassion And it's not, I want you to write this down if you're a note taker. And it's coming up right here. That when God sees us, watch this, it's not condemnation, but compassion. But because Jesus, this whole story was Jesus was trying to get across to everyone of how our heavenly father sees us as we've gone astray, as we're the prodigal, as we've turned our back on God. And this is what we're fearful of. Sin separates us from our Heavenly Father, but our Heavenly Father sees you and will sit there and, cl- and, and not look at you with closed fists, but open arms. Say, so, come on, let me hug you. Come on in. Filled with compassion. 
Yes, there's the severity of sin, and sin is horrible and destroys lives. And God hates that stuff. And he wants you to just come home and let him love on you the way that you've never been loved before. And watch what he, his, the dad does after this. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And in this moment, everyone is probably in the audience is like, Boo! Jesus, end the story! This is awful! How dare the father run! How dare the father to kiss the son that sat there and said, you're dead to me. Boo! Terrible story. What kind of message is this going to send to the world? But that's the posture of God. The posture of God is this right here. It's joy, not judgment. And I think those who are on the outside that don't follow Jesus in this moment, what are they fearful of? That the church is going to bring judgment. We won't bring judgment. We want to bring the joy of salvation to people. And we want to celebrate when people come home. And so I want to apologize again. If you're on the other side, you're watching. And you're like, all I've been my whole entire life is judged by those who have faith. Hear me out. I'm sorry that's the way it is. And that we at times have misrepresented Jesus to this world. And our heart is to get back to being the hands and feet of Jesus and represent him well. That's why here at the church we say, live like Jesus, share his love. We have to live like Jesus. It's more of him, less of me. More of him, less of me. And so here's the most scandalous thing in the story. All of a sudden, they got music on and they're partying. I mean, there is a celebration going on. Celebration. And here's the rest of this, the rest of this, what happens. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and sit with me at home and celebrate. Come on. And there's a party and the dad's sitting there, sitting there going, yeah, let's light the barbecue, light the fire. Woo! And the audience, once again, you can't do that. This guy shamed you in a culture of shame. They would have had a mocked funeral for the son. They would have had a mocked funeral and buried him. And, and what's interesting about all of that is this is the heart of the father that says, yes, daddy loves you. Yes, daddy welcomes you home. Let's celebrate good times. Come on. Right there. Right there. And what's interesting is he said the fattened calf, right? Like you in the ancient world, you'd have that special calf that you kept and for big feasts or big celebrations. You'd feed it that special diet to make it all nice and fat and juicy and just you can't wait to eat that steak right there. And that's what the father, I mean, this is like the prized cow of the family that the father says, we're cutting that sucker up. And here's the house party. I love Jesus's words in case you're like, nah, we don't celebrate in church. Here's Jesus's words right here. It says this, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Over one sinner who repents. And I want to bring you into this story. 
There it is. I want to bring you into this story. I was thinking, how can we best illustrate this, this party scene right here? How do, we, how do we best celebrate it? And I thought, you know what? Wouldn't that be awesome if we brought a calf in? Like a big cow and just plopped him on stage and let's really get into the story. And I would maybe lift it, you know, like blood. But I thought, you know, that's, that's bad for audience and uh, bad for the carpet. But I thought about that. Instead, I was thinking, you know, what, what, what really? What do you got, bro? Social distance. Oh, what are you throwing? Enriching and fattening, right? But we can't we can't party. This is the house of the Lord. Get out of here. You cannot do that. How dare him to celebrate? But that's what the audience is. You can't. You can't party. Actually, Brandon, can I really have one? I did not have breakfast this morning. I really want one. Oh yes, thank you. You at home, you're all eating breakfast anyways right now. We don't get to, right? But what just happened? The audience would have felt like that. Man, these rising rolls. They're delicious. Go support local. Go out there tomorrow. My, my wife went out there yesterday and got it. It's awesome. But what's going on? This is outrageous. The black sheep of the family's home. And you're throwing a party? You? You're throwing a party? How dare you? But here's what it's called in the midst of understanding what's going on in the house is its grace. Jesus is trying to teach his audience a lesson. That was bad timing to put the donut in the mouth. (laughs) Is that this is how your heavenly father feels when those that are far from him come home. A big party. Here's how grace is defined. Grace is defined as this. Oh, I'm sorry. Remember Jesus' words. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Over one sinner who repents. Please hear my heart. God's grace is deeper than your greatest sin. God's grace is deeper. It's deeper than your greatest sin. God's grace is its radical love and forgiveness in the wake of wrongdoing. And that's what Jesus is trying to portray in the story of the prodigal son. And he's trying to remind the Jewish audience who want to throw the prodigal son out. He's trying to say, no, 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 no. God's grace is bigger than this. It's greater than the horrible sin he just committed. And our desire here at Radiant Life is to reach thirsty people with God's grace and love. It's radical. That's why we have this song in the church world. It's called Reckless Love because it's this idea that it's not reckless in the sense that maybe our human minds think, but it's reckless because what we want to do when someone hurts us is stab them right back. And God says, it's not what I do. I have to continue to pour out my love and grace on people who have done wrong things. And I love what the dad did. It reads this way. He ran to his son and threw his arms around and kissed him. Well, the idea of running is that men would never show their legs. They would hike up. What, this, what he did is he would hike up his long tunic and run. 
Men never shoved their legs and men never ran in the ancient world. Why did he have to get to the sun? Because in the ancient uh, law, if a son did this and he came back into the town, law says to stone him. And the heavenly father says, no, my son's home. I'm going to be the first to get there before you throw stones at him. And then he says this, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. And as a follower of Jesus, listen, I know it feels, it feels like we have shame in everything, but God clothes you in righteousness. God, you are a new being in Jesus Christ. You are clothed in something. You have the best robe on from your heavenly father. And he says, let's put a ring on his finger, which symbolized authority and sandals on his feet. Because now all of a sudden, we have to put sandals on his feet because he's one of the masters now. But here's where the twist and turn happens. There's two brothers in the story. And we sit back and go, "Woo, that's awesome. But I want you to know that in the first brother, we will do everything short of sin to reach spiritually thirsty people. We'll do it. Whatever it takes, we're going to do. Because it's the heart of Jesus. But that's the first brother. There's a second brother. The older brother. The older brother who's still inside, pretty ticked off because daddy's throwing a party for my rebellious brother who squandered everything on prostitutes, wild living. And here's the older brother's response. It reads this way. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. There's the party. So he called one of the servants and asks him, what's going on? Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father had killed the cat, fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, after all these years, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fat and calf for him? My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And the story ends. The story ends with one brother, the wild child, receiving God's grace. And the brother who's done everything right all the time, angry, that the world-class sinner gets a party, and I don't.